I was invited to Mulberry Gap for the 2017 Maxxis Tires Summit, which is basically an excuse to ride that brand's latest mountain bike tires, hang out, drink beer, and hit epic trails. The Pinhoti trails were amazing, but it was the atmosphere and service provided by Kate and Andrew Gates that made the experience so special. They, along with their families, purchased the remote mountain getaway in the Chattahoochee National Forest in LJ, Georgia, and riders from all over quickly made it one of the top weekend destinations in the southeast. And the gates made the most of it, opening their arms to mountain bikers, adding events, and ensuring everyone's stay is awesome. Hospitality ain't easy, but they found a way to do it right and grow year after year. The podcast by Tyler Benedict that explores the startup stories and growth tactics of hundreds of entrepreneurs, plus his own tips and tricks learned over two decades of launching, running, and growing businesses, including BikeRumor.com, the world's largest and most popular cycling tech blog. If you're thinking of starting your own business, the Build Cycle will give you the tools and inspiration to do it right. Now, let's dive into this episode of The Build Cycle. Kate and Andrew, you guys own Mulberry Gap, which is a sort of a retreat in which LJ, Georgia. Mm-hmm. What's the forest that we're in? Chattahoochee National Forest. Okay. And it's become kind of a pretty big destination for mountain bikers. And it doesn't sound like that's the original plan, but can you guys give us a quick backstory how you came to own the property? Sure. Cool. Um, so, me and my wife um, were high school sweethearts, and um, at the time, our parents were wanting to get like a tiny vacation cabin um, up here in Georgia, originally from Florida, and um, stumbled upon what's now Mulberry Gap, um, and it's it's come a long way. It was not intended to be kind of what it is. It was just a private retreat um, for a family, and. Um, we bought it in 06, is that right? Yep. It was 06, yeah. So we bought in 06, um, market crashed, had to figure out a way to pay for it. So we um, opened up pretty much to anyone who just enjoyed the outdoors and um, mountain bikers just kept coming and kind of took us under their wing and kind of made the place what it is today. Yeah, we really had no idea what we were doing and <laughs> had no, I didn't, we were not mountain bikers. We knew that there were trails here, but we didn't understand the potential and, and what the possibilities could be. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, they, it was honestly because there was just four people between Andrew and I and our two moms that were willing to just hear what anybody suggested and listen to what they wanted, um, their thoughts, and if we could make the changes, then we would do it, and we would offer that service. We would, you know, run shuttles, get beer here, um, anything like that. So it, it, I think our, we were very approachable always. It's one thing we've always just tried to get, make great relationships with the people that come through these doors, and, um, you know, I think just, just doing that, everybody kind of felt like home here. It's like going to your grandma's house or 
visiting some old friends or, or family and so they kept wanting to come back and they were great to support us early on and, and try to get the word out there and then yeah it's 10 years later and it's evolved into something completely you know nothing that we ever expected but it's been a really fun ride to kind of experience it and we still have our struggles but you know for the most part life is much easier now than it was in the early years when we were definitely had some hardships so right so when you guys first bought the property was it meant to be just your own family retreat or was it always going to be like hey let's make a little commercial retreat no i mean really like i said at the time we just wanted a place um we were still pretty young um you know 18 19 and we at the time we're into four wheeling and stuff and just looking for a place to escape florida just on weekends and stuff so it was totally unintentional that we bought something this big um so we we jumped in head first for sure and um, just made it a go and at the time neither one of us mountain biked it took us two years before i got a bike so it was um you know kind of this awesome mistake (laughs) right how big is the property uh, we have 15 acres um, on site, which, you know, we have the main 10 that's, that's here that you kind of see, and then the trail is mostly on the other five that's, right. that's undeveloped. And by, by trail, he means the small, like, less than a mile track that we have on site. That right. It's a common misconception that we own the trails that are within the forest and that we, you know, operate them in that sense, but we just happened to pick land that was in a really great spot close proximity to trails, trailheads, and, you know, we've worked with the Forest Service to get shuttles so that we can drive you up as well if you if you need to, but you can definitely pedal out of here as well, but the the trail actually on site's pretty small, all things considered. Right. So when you bought the property, there were already some cabins on it. What Had it been used before for, like, a commercial retreat, or? No, it was just a, um, a private family that they wanted a place they could come visit, you know, have family reunions, stuff like that. And um, he was big into taking mule teams and wagons up to gravel roads. So the barn used to be a mule barn. Um, we've since added the bigger cabin that's that's down below. So we've upgraded all the buildings to kind of fit the need along the way. But right Yeah, um, and as I was saying before, like the old camp kitchen and dining hall, space which are now cabins we got to a point where you couldn't sit people in there anymore people were standing to eat and that's when we knew like okay it's time to upgrade and you know so that's when we converted the barn and that was what three winters four winters ago maybe four now back in 2013 so um yeah it was just as as the popularity grew and every weekend got a little bit busier and we just saw okay like I think this is happening we just every year we try to make it better make it cooler give you another reason to come back and so it's it's always the same but it's always different just there's always changes happening like this happened this winter um we kind of took over part of the house and opened up the retail space because all of it was out there in that smaller section of an office which used to be a screened in porch um, but it's, you know, you get 15 people in there at one time and it's just insane. So we were just like, okay, so slowly we're just going to take over <laughs> everything here and, um, you know, we'll just keep making it cool. We're going to have bike rentals soon with the local bike shop and dirt jumpers for the new trail. So, cool. yeah. So we'll get back to the store and the, the growth of the facility itself. But when you guys first bought it and 
you kind of lucked into the location as far as having yeah. some of the really killer trails in Georgia, mm-hmm. literally outside your gate. Um, when mountain bikers came up to ride and they first started coming in, was it a little weird? People coming in and asking, hey, what's going on? Or, hey, can we camp here? Um, no, we, we got involved with, um, it was mostly Atlanta-based people who were used to coming up here and they just happened to keep going by and, you know, saw this new business pop up out of nowhere. Um, so over, over the years they would pop in and then they would come stay they'd tell their friends and it would just, it just, you know, snowballed from there. So from day one, you guys would let people camp here mm-hmm. if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we knew when we committed to the property that it was going to have to generate revenue in some ways, shape or form. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, we were just happy to have anybody come through the door. And at first, you know, you'd have a mixture of hunters and hikers, but bikers just seemed to appreciate the services the most. And they were awesome. I mean, for the most part, we have a great clientele that are easy to please, at least in the services that we already offer. They're not extremely needy. Um, they appreciate you, you know. And they're they're totally happy to just be here and, and support small businesses and and that type of thing. So it's um, we've really just enjoyed the clientele. Couldn't couldn't ask for a better group to to work with throughout the year. Cool. So when they come up, they come up to ride and camp with you guys. When did you start offering shuttle service? Because a lot of the trails are pretty far away, and to ride to them and then ride the trail, you're talking about you know a four or five hour day versus mm-hmm. shuttling and just getting the good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, Kind of since day one, we used to just, um, people would come up and we'd hop in the car with them and, and drop them off. And then with that growth, we talked to the Forest Service and went through a, a pretty long permitting period to do it right. Um, but I think I think that was officially four years, five yeah, years ago years that ago. we approached the Forest Service about it and then you know got all the legal stuff squared away. Right. But we've been doing it for, for quite some time. We... Um, realized pretty early on that the shuttle was was definitely a need and we get a lot of Florida uh, clientele as well and they certainly appreciate it it's pretty hard to train for the elevation up here if you don't have it yeah, yeah I mean, you see riders of all different levels that come through here you know and it's like the trails can be beginner friendly especially if you take a shuttle you know we don't recommend climbing the almost five miles up to Bear Creek if you are new but if, if they take their time going down those trails and stuff you can do it but then if you're advanced and you know how to read a trail and you can get plenty of air and just fly down that thing too so i mean it's just yeah it definitely it helps the shuttles just kind of help open it up to different groups and um but then also if you just want to ride until you're heart's content you can just shuttle all day and just wear yourself out so right how did you know you needed to work with the forest service to do shuttling so i mean anytime you're if basically if you are making money off of their land you have to have a permit okay so it's and they, you know that we have to send in use reports all the time and we pay them fees based on the amount of people that we take up and we have to you know mention where we're going and so they under they have a record of you know trail use and how popular certain areas areas are which ones are going to need more maintenance and that also helps our local chapter know where to designate money to get machine work in here or do a work party with volunteers and that sort of thing we say chapter like sorba yeah our local imba chapter imba sorba chapter um it's 
currently in between a, a name change, but it's LHA Mountain Bike Association. Um, and it's going to switch to something else soon. So Are they primarily the ones that come in and build the trails? Um, well, there's no... So all the trails were built before mm-hmm. us, and I don't... The guy who built the trails. The Pinhoni. Oh, I forget his name. Yeah. But no, I mean, they're actually working on building more trails now, but they had nothing to do with all of this. It was the guy who, I mean, so the Pinhoti trail system is, what, 340 miles long? In, in total, yeah, which goes into Alabama. Um, we have a little over 140 in Georgia that's mountain bike accessible. The, um, the trails in Alabama are hiking only. So, But the Pinhoti's a, a pretty big trail system. But, yeah, the, the guy who put that whole system together had trail builders in different sections and so it had nothing to do with this local club but they are in the works right now of getting new trail here um working on that so that's gonna be great for you guys yeah yeah (laughs) so with the the early years like the first year or two about how many people would come and stay with you guys on a given weekend during season what is the season like the real mountain bike season for you guys spring and fall definitely are busy or consistently but every year it it's almost like there's not a season it's just this kind of like straight through like even last year this the summertime was pretty darn busy and i mean an, an average weekend now is 35 to 45 a night on weekends weekdays are definitely quieter but in the earlier days i mean gosh if we got 15 people here we were happy you know <laughs> And it, but it used to be, I mean, there was no reservation system. People would not call. They would just show up. And so Jenny would cook for an unknown amount of people all the time. And so you'd run into like, well, there's no more food left, you know, because we didn't know that this extra group of 10 were coming. And it was pretty loose in the beginning. And just as we've grown, we've had to just add more structure naturally. But Right. So do you, how do you do reservations now? Is it an online system? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. We, about two years ago, we made it all automated, which has been great. Um, we've just, yeah, when you can do all the events and all that stuff online. So it's, it's easier and more efficient that way for sure. <laughs> so what happens if people show up now, like maybe on a not so busy weekend and you have room, do you still let them in? Just say, hey, I might not have food or? Yeah. Yeah, it's rare though. I mean, it's every now and then you'll get drop-ins. We don't encourage drop-ins just because a lot of times it does add stress. And more and more, like, there's just not space. You know, like, you really do have to plan ahead. Um, but, yeah, weekdays are, are quieter. Um, and then certain certain weekends you'll just have, like, a pretty dead weekend. But it's you never know when that's going to be. Right. What else is offered here? Like, what else can people do in the area besides mountain biking? And how do you cater to that if you do yeah, I mean, there's there's really quite a bit. Um, you know, this area is kind of a a nice kept secret. It's kind of an outdoor mecca that hasn't blown up yet, really. But there's um, there's an awesome river in town, the Cartaque. Um It's got some Class Three rapids, so nothing crazy. So you can go tube it, run a kayak. Um, there's zip lining um, up in Blue Ridge, which is about a thirty minute drive. Um, tons of apple orchards. So this county's the the apple capital of Georgia, as well as the mountain bike capital of Georgia. So they have all kinds of the, the family kind of stuff like that. Pick your own apples and, um, you know, hiking trails. We're right outside of the Cahuta Wilderness, um, 
which we got up on that ridge um, earlier in the weekend. And there's just you know, a plethora of hiking trails up there. You can do tons of overnighters. And it's beautiful in there. You know, tons of waterfalls, lots of creeks. So as, as things started to grow and the shuttle service grew, you, it sounded like maybe you went from driving the customer's car, dropping them off and bringing the car back for them. Is that what you were doing first? No, so um, that's currently what we still have to do, and that's that's because of state laws. Um, it's just unaffordable to for us to buy a van and then pay the fee every year. We wouldn't be able to charge the customer zoom out that we'd have to. Um, so yeah, right now, it's, like it's like if the way that we'd have to be set up is almost like a taxi driver, and there's all these different regulations around it, and we just we if we run twenty five shuttles a month that's busy and we just you know it would never pay for itself type of thing so we still work it that way um, it might change in the future if, if other options become available but from what we've found so far we just that's kind of the way that we do it so and you've got a truck with this trailer there that to pull the bikes up so is it I do require two um, people per shuttle run then like, what do you mean by two? so you, do you take people up in your truck then on um, the bikes or sometimes um, we we don't like to do it. We'll do it for certain events like, like this weekend at the Maxis Summit. Um, but we don't encourage that just because of all the regulations involved right. and um, gets a little tricky. Yeah. So how did you find out about those kind of regulations? Was it just trial and error or did you look into, um, I mean, like my thought would have just been, we'll just buy a van. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and we've, we've tried, we've turned a lot of things around over the years that we, we went into it just not knowing mm-hmm. we had to do certain things. Um, so we've, we've tried to make it more and more, um, and what you would say on the level. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're, I mean, we're trying to do everything right. Yeah. And we've played a lot of catch up and made some mistakes over the years. So we're just mm-hmm. trying to, trying to get, um, get everything squared away. Well, again, we, just, to be. we had no idea like what yeah. it would turn into, you know, and, 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 you know, it's like when someone is here for the weekend and they just want to ride their bike and they're just like, but they can't make it up that hill or they don't want to spend, you know, two hours climbing 13 miles to the top of mountain town or wherever, you know, they want to lift. And so it was like at first we were like, well, sure, we'll just take you. No big deal. But then it got so popular. It was like, OK, no one, not, no one on the property as staff is available because we're all on shuttles. And so mm-hmm. it was like, OK, well, now we've got to like either bring on more people but then that's going to cost money so you know you got to start covering those types of things and um so yeah just again like everything it just evolved and it's been a learning process from from beginning to end and a lot of times like you know once you work with the forest service or you work with your insurance or whoever they start putting regulations on it too and so you know they've all got their things that you have to meet in order to be approved and and all that kind of stuff so that's kind of been the course that we've run into so in in time it might change it might become easier for us to just get a van and do it but then it would turn into like we'd have to have a a shuttle schedule everybody would have to be ready at the same time we'd have to like drop in on patterns that we can get everybody to their location and a lot of times that doesn't work for people i think they appreciate the flexibility of like whenever they're ready just come up and we'll hop in the car and we'll take you up and we'll go wherever you want to go right the growing pains yeah right you know So along with the growth, the shuttle growth, is 
is what it is at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you've expanded. So was this building that we're in now the was the house first? Or? It still is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So behind those doors, there's two bedrooms, um, and a and a bathroom, and then. This used to be an open loft above us here. Um, we enclosed that last winter as an employee living space. So it's kind of like a little studio apartment. So that's where Megan lives. And um, this space was just, you know, at first we used to have a dining room table in here, sofas. This is where we all hung out in the earlier years. And then it slowly became more like the dumping grounds for storage because <laughs> we're just so limited on storage space here. And we probably need to build another building for that soon. Um, but yeah, then it just, it was a shame because it's such a big room that had so much potential. And then we started running into the issues of it just being so crowded in there and people always talking over each other when you're trying to go over directions or maps or plans for your day. And so, you know, we just decided to open it up and, um, we're hoping we're having, we have a meeting with the County next week or this coming week. Um, but we're hoping to turn this kitchen into like a full-time lunch cafe coffee bar type place um and so we would just keep doing breakfast and dinner over there but to give jenny a break in the middle of the day we would just have you know one of us over here available to make sandwiches and salads or just whatever so that's nothing's 100 percent yet but that's our that's our hope with it so so for to expand into something like that because it's i mean it is a kitchen now but it's not really a commercial kitchen right. is that a huge expense to convert this into like from some a kitchen i'd have in my house to a kitchen that's able to serve you know hot it, food yeah so we function under different we're not considered commercial because we're not open to the public so you have to be a member to stay here so mm-hmm. everybody that signs a waiver becomes a member um but we are not held to commercial regulations uh we do i mean there's still certain things that we have to meet with of course um but as far as like having a lot of those you know like food service law right yeah it's just different so we're under like bed and breakfast slash private club regulations which is a little bit different um but yes it can there's still parts that it's it is very expensive and you know we're kind of in that thing right now where it's like there's some changes that we need to make going to cost a lot of money you know and how do you it's like okay so we need to ramp up business more and get busier consistently to help afford all that you know so um again just it's constant growing pains and you tackle one thing and then something else comes up um so yeah that's what that's why we're bringing the county in here next week is just to hear what we would have to do and if it's worth it or if we just kind of hold off for a year and um save a little bit and then do it then so yeah. What are the, I mean, without going into exact numbers and stuff, but like, how do you come to those decisions? You know, is your business, you're like, all right, if we grow X, then we'll do this. And I'm sure you've got a priority list. Oh yeah. There's always a yeah. revolving priority list and Andrew stays pretty busy. Luckily we have him and he's a skilled carpenter and all that. So if, if we had to hire out all the stuff that he's done, I don't, I don't know that we would have ever survived, honestly. Right. Just Not it, a chance. No. Yeah, he has <laughs> saved us a lot of money. It's very necessary. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, we sit down, you know, as a family and just a couple times a year and just kind of look at it all and, and try to get on the same page. Sometimes that's easier than, you know, easier said than done, um, just as far as what we 
need to work on um, and focus on. So it's, we just kind of, and, and because we never know like how busy it's going to get and then if it gets busier, then it, other things become priorities. So we just, we kind of assess it all and, and then go from there and just decide what, what's going to happen next. And sometimes it's, happens quickly and sometimes it takes you two years to to get to that point so right yeah so you mentioned a bicornal fleet mm -hmm. here what's the timeline for that um as soon as you guys leave the bike should be here oh, any, well. any day now yeah and i'm i wish you know that we would have had those dirt jumpers available this weekend since i know those wheels never showed up so um right they don't think they did no but, not as far as i know right. so, so where, where are you going to put those um well we'll probably have one of each the mountain bike trail or the mountain bike and then the dirt jumper on display in here but Cartier bike shop has a little trailer that they're just going to leave here that we can you know store the bikes in and lock them up um and then they'll also i think we're working on maybe having one of them out here a few hours on the weekends just in case of any you know people damage their bikes that happens a lot and right. um the bike shop's only 12 miles away but a lot of times it's, it happens in the evening, you know, or the, at the end of their day. And, um, you know, so sometimes they just need a quick fix or something like that. So that's becoming a constant need. And people are always asking to borrow Andrew's tools and <laughs> have him fix this or that. And um, a lot of those tools we never get back. So <laughs> it'll be nice to have like an official setup where people could put their bike on a stand and, and use a tool that's attached to something that'll keep right. it there. But <laughs> um so yeah. is the rental program going to be run by Cartier Bike Shop? Yeah, or? they're basically just going to have like a little satellite office out oh, here. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So. Um, Did you guys look at running that yourselves, or was? Did it no, I mean always... we've always wanted to work with the bike shop. We never, I mean, from the early days, we didn't ever want to compete with them. It was we didn't want to be seen as a threat, or that we were going to like you know all the stuff that we have there. We buy through them, and you know, we sell at their prices. We don't jack it up and. Um, you know, so it's it's a definitely a working relationship where, you know, they're small. This is a destination town. There's not a lot of locals that ride, so their money comes in from people that travel here as well. It's not like they have a lot of small town LJ folks that are coming in, you know, getting repairs and stuff. So, All right. so will they have to keep someone here during the day, like on the weekends, especially? Yeah, I think I think that's the goal. Um, I'm not sure who they're going to have out here yet, and for how many hours, because. You know, it's one of those things like there might be a need for uh, 45 minutes out of the day, but then they might just be sitting here piddling around too. So we're, we're still working through that to see how it's going to work. And, um, but you know, this, this month is already filling up quick. So I, I know it's going to be, we're going to get into it here pretty soon. Right. So. And then for the shop that we're seeing, you guys have a lot of Mulberry Gap branded merchandise along with a few mm -hmm. bike parts and gloves, things that break or. Yeah. need replacing or get forgotten at home mm -hmm. um, but as far as the merchandise goes I'm curious like how did you guys decide okay we need like this many t-shirts sweatshirts men's versions women's versions other things with your logo on it it's because um, yeah. it's a lot of inventory to sit on it is yes. yeah um, <clears throat> just need again I mean I do a lot of the marketing and you know uh, graphic stuff for the business and have a great friend that, that does most of our t-shirt printing and stuff like that. So, I mean, jerseys, gosh, we just got jerseys last fall and that's been like so needed for a while. And 
people love it, but then now they want the fitted ones, and so now we've got fitted ones coming. And, uh, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. We just, we kind of try different things, and certain ones are really popular, and others sit here for a while, and then we know not to do it again. Right. So it's just a learning process, and part of, you know, expanding into the space that it gave us the option to carry more stuff. Believe it or not, though, all of this was in that tiny room before it moved in here. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, you know, people sometimes rip their baggies when they're here or they forgot them or, and so, you know, we've had requests for carrying stuff like that, which we're still looking into, um, just to have more mountain bike related stuff. But yeah, to sit, to sit on the inventory is hard if, and you know, we were just closed for two months, so obviously nothing was rolling out the door and, um, but yeah, once the season begins, usually people are pretty pretty stoked about having socks or just whatever. They like variety. We try to do all different price points too, because sometimes you just want to walk out with a, a koozie, you know, or a sticker. And other times you, we've had people drop like four hundred dollars on merchandise, and it's like, wow, you really love us, you know. <laughs> right. So that, like the t-shirts and the koozies and stuff, was it just people coming in saying, hey, do you guys have a t-shirt? Or... Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. Yeah, and for the most part, yeah, we just see how many people ask for stuff like that. And then, you know, for, for years, people were like, get shot glasses. I finally got shot glasses, and I think we've sold, like, two. <laughs> and so I just give them, you know, I, at certain events, I just give them out now just to get rid of them because we've just had them for too long. And so I'll, never, I'll probably never do shot glasses again. Right. But, yeah. For the other revenue sources for you guys. So you've got a store with merchandise, you've got the shuttle service, which presumably you charge like per shuttle run. Mm -hmm. and Just then, per car, yep. Of course, the, the cabins and the uh, mm -hmm. camping spots and stuff. What else do you guys do to generate revenue here? Beer. <laughs> um, yeah, sense. But yeah, I mean, we tried, we do guided services. Um, we were offering multi-day tours for the last two years, but just wasn't happening. So we stopped that. Like bike um, tours? Yeah, mm -hmm. right. yeah. Um, I mean, we'll probably, we're still open to it if someone called and wanted like a custom thing. I mean, we're permitted to do it. We'd be happy to talk about it and get something going. But the, the single day, like just wanting a guide for a few hours has just kind of been a demand recently. Um, and it's just kind of growing on its own. So. You know, we might do a couple of those a month um, in different locations and stuff. So it just just depends. But no, I mean, the, the bread and butter is, is meals and lodging. That's most of it. Do most of the people stay here, get the meal service? 95%. Yeah. And if they don't, they don't the first they time. <laughs> once they see it. Once they see it and they hear about it or their friends rag on them enough, then they're like, okay, yeah, sign me up for dinner. Yeah. So No, it's phenomenal. The food yeah. you guys have had for us the last couple of days is so good. Yeah. Jenny knows what she's doing. She takes pride in uh, making everyone fat and happy. Right. So. <laughs> so how big is your staff and do they all live on site? Um, currently, our staff is... Only the family, the four of us, and Megan, officially, we do have friends or people that, you know, we've met through the business that have become great friends of ours that live within like an hour radius that when we have busy weekends like this, we just call them and ask for help. Um, and we are in the process of kind of hiring some help part-time. Um, yeah, but I mean, so Megan came from Florida. So yeah, I mean, when... She needed a place to stay because a there's 
no long-term rentals in LJ because every, everybody does vacation homes here. Um, so it's really hard to do that unless you're a local and you have a place. Um, but as I said before, there's not really a local bike scene here. And so people aren't into this. And we've had a lot of people come out and quit within a day because they have to walk <laughs> up hills and it's too hard and there's spiders and, you know, I mean, you, it's like, really? You live in Georgia, you know, you're in the woods. It's beautiful out here, but um, yeah, it takes a special person to, to want to be out here. And, or they think that all you're going to do is ride bikes when you work at Mulberry. That, <laughs> that doesn't happen. <laughs> well, it, and it is pretty remote. It, yeah. I invite anybody listening to look it up on a map and I'll, I'll drop a pin and make a screenshot for the post to go along with this interview. But um, there's virtually no cell service. Yeah. Internet's mm-hmm. extremely limited and, mm-hmm. and slow when you can get it. Yeah. If you can get it. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's, I guess, part of the appeal, too, is you just get away for it all. Yeah, people love to come out here and unplug. And I know for this event in particular, Max, this was really stressed about the Internet. But <laughs> they were saying how, because last year it was, I guess, you know, people were, it's, I guess it was just a different group. More people wanted to get stuff out immediately, whereas this group seems like totally happy. Just they're like, no, man, it's cool. I don't want to check my emails right now, you know. And um, so you see it all. You do get people that are a little bummed you know but yeah again the vast majority of people who come here are are just happy to unplug and just be in the woods and be on their bike and enjoying the views and the scenery and you know it'll that email will still be there two or three days from now (laughs) yeah it's so essentially this is the hospitality business Mm -hmm. Uh, what are some of the biggest surprises you guys have found over the years running a hospitality business we're lucky mm. yeah we're, we're definitely lucky yeah. to have mountain bikers <laughs> as a clientele All right. um, we hear horror we wouldn't stories. we wouldn't be able to to deal with any other group i think because <laughs> even with the mountain bikers as relaxed and chill as they are it's a lot because we're so limited on staff you know people need this 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 and it can be very time consuming um but they're always happy you know mm-hmm. you feed them well they hit the trails all day. They're in a good mood, um, so it makes it makes it. It's what makes the place easy. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I mean, you, we get our occasional jerk. You know, every, everybody does, but yeah, for the most part, we have really happy people. And if it were if it were a different scenario, and I don't, we couldn't wake up and do it. You know, this place takes a lot of heart and soul and a lot of consistent work. Um, and if we didn't appreciate and enjoy the people that we served every day, we wouldn't keep doing it. When you say a lot of consistent work, is it just like building up key maintenance? Or like, what is the, what's the daily work cycle for you guys? Well, and that's one thing we're trying to balance out a little bit more is like the work play. We don't have enough fun yet. It's getting, it's getting a lot better. It's improved a lot in the last three or four years. Um, just with our ability to hire help. I mean, we didn't hire our first full-time person until September of 2015. So, so um, seven years in, eight years in? Eight, eight years. Wow. Oh, all, well, yeah. So it was, yeah, it took yeah, a lot. And I mean, you know, you're easily, you're working 12, 14-hour days. You wait, I mean, he's up at 7.15 with Jenny. Yeah, She's I mean, up you're, earlier. you're always the, the first person, that last person in the bed. You know, especially with breakfast and dinner and then a full day, you know, once, once you're done with breakfast, you don't stop until you're done with the dishes at night. Yeah. So, cause somebody always needs something, right? I mean, if you've got 45 yeah. people here, 
and most are here in groups of like two or three. Everyone's on their own itinerary. And so you never know when someone's going to need something or lock themselves out of the cabin or, you Which know. we did. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. Like, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, but it's, it's getting better. You know, we kind of like implemented mm-hmm. shifts like a normal business would, you know. And so everybody can know I'm going to have a three-hour block and I can take off and ride my bike or just go take a nap or you know, whatever it is. So, um, yeah, it's getting, it's getting better. And, but the, the days are busy. They're, they're long. There's always something to, to work on. And that's part of the problem too, is when you live where you work, you never leave work right. and you never, you know, it's always right here on your shoulder, just poking you. So you mentioned you guys were closed for two weeks when we were talking about the merchant or two months. Mm-hmm. Was that like you just closed for this, a winter season or? Yeah, so last year we decided to, winter's usually slow, and every year we were having problems with just lots of repair work for him because of busted pipes, just trying to keep everything running. It's also really expensive to keep everything warm and heated and ready just in case someone books, you know, so, um, and then we just need a break, you know, when you're running pretty much seven days, I mean, so currently we're technically closed to reservations Monday nights and Tuesday nights. So we get a break from people for those two days, but you're still here answering phones, fixing stuff on the property that you can't do when there's people here. So it's still 365, 10 months out of the year, 24, seven, 10 months out of the year. And so we just decided to give ourselves a break to just unwind, go visit our families in Florida, um, go take our own mountain bike trips and vacations during January and February. And that's been a much needed and appreciated thing because like now we're ready like we're ready for the season we're anxious we to think. have yeah <laughs> we're anxious to have people back and you know whereas like towards the end of the season you're kind of like go home <laughs> we love you but go home so yeah and, it, and it's we don't ever want people to feel that you know we want them to come here and we don't need to be stressed and grumpy and all that so you know when you have to interact with people all day long, you know, so it can be draining, but again, if we didn't enjoy it, we wouldn't keep doing it. So cool. what's the maximum capacity for the, the, the place? It's about, I, mean, I would say 45 is, is where we don't really want to get it any more than that. Um, and really it's a lot more fun when there's like 30 here. So, you know, we get 45 on site, it kind of, changes the feel of the place. You know, I like to keep it small and intimate, but other weekends, you know, there's 45 people here and there's mini bike Jenga going on the bar and uh, in the barn at night. And sometimes it's, it's a total blast, but, um, you get different crowds that come through and different energy levels too. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes everybody becomes like best friends and swapping phone numbers and meeting back up here a few weeks later. Cause they had such a great time. And then other times you have people that like, it's like they don't know how to interact with strangers or something. And, you know, but it's like the atmosphere and energy is usually really good. I mean, you're in a room full of people who are doing what you love to do, too. So finding common ground in a topic to talk about is usually not hard. So people hit it off. And, you know, we have like the communal dining experience. So you're kind of forced to sit with people you don't know and get outside of your, your comfort zone unless you're here with like a big group. And we get that, too. You know, bachelor parties are just whatever a group of friends that take their annual trip here and you know they'll they'll kind of stick together but it's quick. You got it. <laughs> um 
Cool. So what's this, what does the future hold for Mulberry Gap? You know, it's hard to say. Um, part of the place, you know, part of what made this place was the fact that we were super flexible and could change things and make it, you know, make it whatever the clientele needed. Um, so I don't know. We're um, we're staying open minded, and um, yeah, we'll just see how it goes. But, yeah, um, like Brett and TJ of Kahata Trail Designs came up to us like two months ago, and they were like, hey, how do you feel about a pump track in your front yard? And we were like, <laughs> cool, yeah. you know? So, like, that just happened. It was not planned for. Um, and people are super pumped about it. I mean, like, the energy of people wanting to just come up here, or the interest of people wanting to get up here and ride it has been huge. So, you know, there's that. And, um, yeah, we've got a couple things potentially in the works. Um but we're not ready to put that out there yet. But yeah, we're always trying to to change, you know. And but again, keep it just improve upon what we already are, and keep you coming back for for different reasons. But that you know, the whole experience stays kind of the same, just more awesome. <laughs> Do you want to expand capacity, like be able to take in more people, or is that? There's, it, it's a tricky one. Um, Yes and no. Like, we would love to expand for events like this because oftentimes, like, these types of full facility rental are becoming a little more common. Um, but it's still requiring, you know, them to rent cabins down the street or something just because there's not enough space here. Um, but then, like you said, it gets tricky because when you get too many people, like, that barn can only see so many people for dinner and then you get into like well do you do two different dinners you know like it's it brings up a whole nother set of problems um we've definitely talked about expanding there's definitely discussion about that pretty often but no firm plans have been decided yet right and then there's again there's regulations with the county as far as how many people you can have and then you have to have more bathrooms and all that kind of stuff. So we'll see. All right. From a geographical standpoint, you guys are pretty remote. It's so my guess would be like the cost of operations is fairly low compared to somewhere that would be closer to a city. Is that, or is it no, I mean, surprisingly expensive to have a place this size? It's pretty expensive. Yeah, I'd say it's, <laughs> it's actually, especially like the food cost is huge and we, we can't get commercial delivery. So everything, it's bought almost, you know, in busy season every day. She's in town buying fresh food. Um, so I, I don't know. I think um, well, I think it's pretty similar. Well, and because we bought at the height of the market, that kind of, you know, just oh, just general overhead's pretty high to keep this place going. And um, so yeah, no, it's pretty expensive. That's <laughs> <laughs> something we're, and that's you know, that's the other thing too. It's just. You know, money's always one of those things you got to look at pretty closely, and that's going forward with expanding. It's just you have to look at all that, all the numbers and how it's going to work out. So, did they have when you guys moved in? Did it have phone and internet run out here? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you didn't, you haven't had to pay, because I don't imagine the city or county would run lines out here out of charity. It seems like if you needed additional <laughs> city services or something, like it would get. Right. Crazy expensive. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, we've tried so many times to just get better internet, mainly just for our own, you know, office needs. I mean, a lot of times 
Megan and I are just in there like watching the wheel yeah, spin. Yeah, <laughs> just getting really annoyed because your efficiency is just nothing. So sometimes we have to go into town and just sit at the coffee shop, get stuff done. Um, but yeah, we've, we've tried just about everything we can to get faster internet out here. And it's basically come down to, yeah, unless we fork out $100,000 to run a line. And it's like, no, we're good, thanks. <laughs> no. So, um, yeah, no, it was all pretty much set up. We've had to add... Like, you know, there's a, we've had to add like a new septic tank and all that kind of stuff. But like, we're going to put another bathroom out by the barns so that you don't have to walk down the hill. And, you know, we get weddings and stuff out here and grandma can't go down that hill. So they have to, you know, we need to get something that is level over there. And we have like a lot of day riders come too. So you can come and like park and park and ride and, you know, they want showers and stuff too. So it can be, you know, a... Saturday around here can be pretty slammed and we're just trying to accommodate all those things and see how it goes. So. Right. So the nature of the business here being a really outdoorsy event and, and especially catering to cyclists, I don't imagine you get a whole lot of handicapped people coming, but mm-hmm. how does that work with the laws? Because, I mean, the bathrooms here are definitely right. not uh, yeah. handicap ADA, accessible. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things, like that bathroom we're putting out there, we're going to make it handicap accessible because, yeah, I think... We've only ever had one person, and they, they weren't staying here. They they drove up, and the mom came in to talk to me and was asking if there were any ADA-accessible trails because her son was handicapped, and I, I never saw him. I didn't meet him. I don't know what his condition or issues were, but, you know, it brought up a good point, and then I actually immediately took that to our chapter and, and talked to them about it because... I, it, it was the first time I received that question and I, parts of the trails are probably wide enough for it, but then other parts aren't. But then I also have very little knowledge of how those bikes work and what they're capable of. So I think, you know, parts of what the, part of what the club's trying to do with these new trails is they're, they want to bring in more beginner friendly, accessible trails, um, and, and kind of see how that goes. But I don't think that there'll so much be here on this section of the forest but it'll be closer to town um but yeah i mean we don't get a lot of people with that issue it's just is it like a legal requirement for a facility like this like if you guys do new construction does it all have to be ada compliant or is there like exclusion it's it's kind of one of those gray areas and like kate was saying we are a private club not open to the public uh, um okay. so it's yeah it's this kind of gray area but that's it's in the plans to add a bathroom regardless um it is ada accessible but the property in general is is really steep so just for someone to get around would just is, be hard is pretty difficult right and that's um, yeah that's this was just the like how it's laid out it's just how it was laid out you know there's it's not like we could make it easier and so unless they had somebody with them that could drive them up and down for meals and you know, we could easily add in a ramp to a cabin and get them in there. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I don't know of many, of many cyclists that have those kind of issues and needs. So it just hasn't been a a problem yet, but, um, yeah, and the County's just, I mean, we'll see moving forward with all this stuff. Um, so we try to, they've been pretty good to work with and quite honest, um, 
I don't think they thought we would still be here. <laughs> so they've been pretty lenient with us over the years. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously we've grown a lot, so they're um, they're coming on out just to uh, make sure everything's squared away. Yeah. So you guys bring in, I mean, obviously the trails are probably the number one thing bringing people in, but having a facility like this has got to make it easier to bring more people in or convince some more friends to come along with you. Is it something where you guys are getting incentives from anybody for being a tourist draw or helping to improve the local economy? Or? No, I mean, we work pretty closely with the, um, the Chamber of Commerce in town and they've been yeah, awesome. Um, they're really getting behind outdoor recreation and, you know, helping us get to some of these events where we set up a booth um, headed to Santos Fat Tire Fest next weekend. So stuff like that they're helping us out with and um, so really trying to grow the area. Some of that? Yeah, so. yeah, they have been. They'll, yeah, they'll do like the booth fees and stuff and like travel and food and all that is on us. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it can add up, especially for some, you know, business as small as us because some of these events, you know, a booth is 2000 bucks for a 10 by 10. Yeah. You know, and it's like, what? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so we, we talk about us, but then we also like promote the local bike shop. We promote LOJ in general just because they're, it really is like an outdoor mecca, in it, but it's a destination place because like I said, just the locals are not really into it. Um, but yeah, and in recent years, they've definitely been very supportive. And um, I mean, our county is was designated the mountain bike capital of Georgia back in, I think, 2008. Or, or so but yeah I mean they've been they've been good but yeah it's just it's been word of mouth the, the bike shop's been good to work with and we yeah, just kind of cross I was going to ask is like is most of the promotion you guys do just word of mouth from people who've been here mm -hmm. what else do you do to market the venue a little bit no, of Facebook not much yeah. events like this are awesome yeah um, but we just you know like you said overhead has been super high so we've never been able to yeah. do mass marketing and put ads in magazines it's, it's just been unaffordable for us so it's it's really been word of mouth well and you know I, back in 2010 dirt rag was the first magazine that approached us and said hey we want to we want to write about you guys and that really put us on the map and kind of gave us a little bit of reputation and, and it, we still get people that are like yeah i read that article and just now getting here you know um but then yeah it's like as each year goes on, another magazine will reach out and another one and another one. And, um, you know, then, yeah, you get podcasts, you get all this kind of stuff. So it's definitely increased a lot in, it's increased a lot in, in these years. Um, and so I think, you know, it'll just keep kind of going off that momentum and keep growing. And that'll give us the option to keep growing here too and, and making things, making changes that we need to do. So. Has the growth been uh, pretty linear or has it gone kind of like a little bit, little bit and then just skyrocket? That's kind of what it's feeling like. Yeah, it was definitely a little bit, a little bit. And I would say in the last three years, it's amped up. But then even just last year, we saw a big change of just, you know, weekends were consistently almost maxed out on throughout like certain seasons and stuff. So. But, like, we started attending events back in 2015, and then we did a lot last year. We're going to do a little less this year, maybe, just because us, he and I are usually ones that go, but then it puts a lot of strain on the business here when we're gone. So we're going to have to choose a little more wisely this year on which weekends to, to take off. But if we've got that extra help, then it 
is it's not so bad. So right. it's all a work in progress. Cool. We're just trying not to kill ourselves <laughs> or each other. It's hard to work with family sometimes, but yeah. So if you had one or two pieces of advice for somebody that was thinking of doing something similar, what would that be? Oh man. That's a hard one. Be super determined. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's taken a lot to make this place what it is. And I think sometimes we sit back and we're like, how did we ever, how did we ever do it really? Yeah. You guys are seeing like the good side of it. Like had we had this conversation four years ago, I probably would have said, blow it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's happened. I mean, and it's, what were the um, big things? Like, what was the real struggle back then? I mean, it was always money. I mean, yeah. just when the market tanked, it was just, it was bad. It, you know, just our family's personal finance situation with keeping this place going. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was that we've had plenty of scary times and just, but again, it was like you didn't have the money to market, but then how do you get people here without marketing? Right, so it's like it's this kind of this vicious circle. Of you have to spend money to make money, and if you don't have it in the first place, like, you know. So I don't know, but it's got it's gotten so much better. So, um, yeah, advice is hard. I mean, we we have people come here all the time. They're like, you know, it's Friday. They just checked in. This place is rad. Like, I want to do this where you know I'm from. And then by Sunday, after they've watched us like work forever, and they realize that we're at everywhere that they go we are there working we're serving them breakfast every morning we're in the office all day or on the grounds giving them firewood or this or that and then we're at dinner too they're kind of like oh shit and you were out late <laughs> yeah hanging I, out with people yeah jeez yeah that's not advisable but uh yeah then you try to blow off some steam but then you know luckily we had people covering the the kitchen early this morning because i would not have been able to make it at 7 15 <laughs> in the kitchen <laughs> to roll out of bed this morning um, but yeah, by Sunday when they check out or whenever that is, they're kind of like, you guys are doing great. I'm just going to let you keep doing your thing. <laughs> I'll stick to my job, you know, cause they just realize how much it takes and, you know, under different circumstances. And now that, you know, the sports, the sport has grown so much just since we've been around and, um, you know, a lot more ladies riding, which is great. Like that's been awesome for me to see. And we have a lot of ladies groups come and clinics and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to give like specific advice. I mean, determination is definitely have, have a really have a plan, but then be open to it changing. Yeah. I would say be totally open to change and you know, the market drove this place, you know, the clientele are, are really who built it. We just listened to what they wanted and, um, that's super helpful. I mean, it wouldn't be what it is today had we not listened and kind of adapted and changed and made it made it into what what's now Mulberry Gap. Mm-hmm. And back to a previous question about like what brings in revenue, I failed to mention that events and clinics have been great. Like the need, the interest in mountain bike skills clinics for male specific, female specific, or even co-ed has been pretty big and then like we've hooked up with the PMBIA for professional mountain bike instruction they host two courses out of here a year that's been a hit um so yeah I mean it's you got your opportunity to do regular reservations and stuff but I mean we usually at least once a month have something going on that you can you know improve your skills or or join a ladies group and 
have find a writing partner in your area or that that kind of thing. So. Do you guys run those clinics and events? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep. So you're leading the classes. Oh uh, well, no, we're not leading them. We usually like like Sue Haywood comes out here right. and, and leads the women's clinics, um, and then we've brought on Shanna Powell, um, and she's been great. So they work really well together, and they'll usually between the two of them take anywhere from eighteen to twenty girls, and they everyone always has a great time. They love it and. So you guys organize and promote it, and then mm-hmm. you bring in Sue or yeah. Shannon? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, because we, I mean, we can't afford to do those things as far as just time-wise, because we're always needing to shuttle or, or something like that. So, right. But yeah, we, we, we hook it all up. We kind of coordinate everything, plan it, registrations on our website, and kind of bring them in and do all that. But, it's been, but then, you know, sometimes we have other companies that reach out to us, like Ninja Mountain Bike Performance out of San Diego, <laughs> started doing stuff with us and um you know they've kind of got their own set of followers and um they had an article written about the last clinic in mountain bike action magazine that came out two months ago or so and now they've got like 20 for this clinic coming up in april in like a month so yeah it's just kind of again taking on a life of its own and we just sometimes just step back and we're just like all right you know let it do its thing and you know help where we can but don't don't fight it. Just go with the flow. Just don't get in the way. Yeah, yeah. right. Awesome. <laughs> don't shoot yourself in the foot somehow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Right on. So where can people find you guys online? MulberryGap.com. Um, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just at MulberryGap. Mm-hmm. Oh, at MulberryGapMTB. Yeah, uh-huh. that's our mm-hmm. handle. Um, yeah, we try to put some fun stuff out there. We don't get annoying. We don't talk politics. We talk bikes. <laughs> right on. Well, thank you guys for a, yeah. a wonderful weekend. It's been a blast being here. Yeah, we're awesome. glad to have you guys. Well, congrats on the growth. Thanks. Yeah, appreciate it. If you're considering opening a B&B or destination resort, there are a lot of great little lessons and things to think about tucked into this podcast. One of the secrets to their success was going with the flow and finding a way to cater to the audience that found them. Another important point was how they carved out personal time and days off to stay sane. With any business, when you first start, you're going to be there a lot. But with hospitality businesses, especially family-run operations like Mulberry Gap, you're basically on call 24-7. You live there, literally and figuratively. It's critical that you build in ways to escape now and then. One way is hiring more people. Another is figuring out seasonality and adjusting the schedule accordingly. Whatever it is, it will help you avoid burnout. Other things to consider include licenses and permits, adequate restrooms, handicap accessibility, and more. You'll need to look at your clientele and determine what features they use, what they request, and how you can anticipate needs so that you're not constantly putting out fires. Kate, Andrew, and their crew made our weekend there amazing. The food alone is worth the trip. Check out pics of their place, show notes, and more at thebuildcycle.com. And if you haven't already, could you go to iTunes and hit that subscribe button? Man, that would be awesome, and it'll just take a sec, but it really helps. Thanks, and see you soon.